All right. Welcome in, hockey fans in the desert southwest. It is uh, another day, another Monday, another professional hockey southwest weekly podcast. Scott Strandy joining you, not from Scottsdale, Arizona today, but from beautiful Lake Elmo, Minnesota. And uh, my co-host, Zach Bondurant, from his palatial estate over there in Chandler, I'm sure. So, Zach, how are you? I'm good, Scott. How's uh, Minnesota? <laughs> it's much different than Arizona. It is uh, nice <laughs> and comfortable, but very humid. And uh, that took me a little getting used to, but, you know, visiting family and having a chance to see some hockey rinks along the way. So, it's been uh, a real exciting trip so far. And be making my way back uh, Thursday morning, so a lot of good stuff. Um, man, oh man, Zach, uh, what the heck happens with the, uh, the hockey world all of a sudden? Ah, uh, well, sometimes your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> but they all the all the teams got to the bubble. They're they're assigned bubble yesterday, and uh, now we're getting. We have all the rosters that have been released. We have the exhibition games starting tomorrow. You have awards. You have you have. <laughs> GMs, it's it's on. It's been a good week for for hockey talk. Okay, let's start right here with uh, with some of the unusual things. Uh, I was up in Vegas, uh, as you know, Wednesday for a practice of the uh, Golden Knights, and when I was there, um, the the question was, where's Max Pacioretty? He had been on the ice all week long, and and the official word coming from the the uh, Golden Knights was, um, it's not COVID related. It's a minor tweak. He's going to be fine. Expect him on the practice tomorrow. Expect him on the practice again tomorrow. <laughs> that went on for a week. Uh, they left yesterday. Uh, or I'm sorry. Yeah, they left yesterday and arrived in Edmonton. Only one problem. Max Pacioretty did not make the trip. So when practice was being held today and it was over with, the questions came again, where's Max Pacioretty? Um, that's when they finally disclosed that he had a training camp injury that uh, had not healed as quickly as they thought, and he was still in Vegas and uh, was would rejoin the club um, when he was ready to play. So speculation begins. Um, a, is Max Pacioretty actually going to get to Canada? And B, when he gets there, is he going to be – healthy enough to perform and, and do what he needs to do to be, he's the leading scorer. <laughs> so uh, lots of things going on. So let's start right there. Your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, if you look at the roster, he's still listed. So I don't think Vegas would be playing that high stakes poker where they could be utilizing another healthy player in that position. Um I don't think Cody Glass was listed on the on the roster, if I remember correctly. I don't know if he's injured, but um, I mean, you would think with some NHL experience, if Pacioretty looked like he was not going to be ready to go uh, anywhere near the playoffs, beginning of the playoffs or mid playoffs, they would put somebody in there who could who could utilize and take up some minutes. So um, I, I'm sure he'll be back. I wouldn't see why they wouldn't, but uh, I, you never know. I mean, honestly, now it's. It's up for grabs. There's there's no hold barred on what the world's going to throw us. <laughs> exactly. And, and as far as the Arizona Coyotes go, they can't cut a break for uh, for anything. And I'm blaming this on Craig Morgan all in jest. But every time Craig Morgan decides he's going to take some vacation, something dramatic happens with the Arizona Coyotes. And, and Craig and I visited uh, via Twitter and text uh, the other day. And, 
And he was telling me he was going to Flagstaff for a week, and I'm going like, oh, no, please don't. <laughs> and sure <laughs> enough, as soon as he got out of town, hadn't even gotten out of town, and the news broke that uh, John Chica had parted ways with the uh, Coyotes in a not-so-friendly um, mm, banner. <laughs> it's the easiest way to yeah. say it. But, but our own it was a bad breakup it. where the girlfriend <laughs> – Threw all the stuff on the front lawn, it seems like. <laughs> Very much so. Our Seth Askelson has been digging into it. Uh, he's got a story up for us today, and he's going to join us about uh, 8.05 or so to give us a little more insight onto what he's found out uh, in the breakup. But either way, the problem with it, Zach, is like always, is that the, uh, the Coyotes' hours are fighting out of something, right? And I think Zach uh, or Seth's story um, was telling us that uh, basically, the Coyotes do their best while they're under dress, basically. So we'll see what happens exactly. with that. But just your thoughts on John Chica leaving. Um, well, I mean, based on the speculation, I mean, we'll get into it when Seth is on later. But based on the speculation, it sounds like he was uh, he had some lucrative offers and, and the Coyotes really believed in him and they wanted him to stay. Um, and those lucrative offers were obviously in a testament to what he can do for a franchise. So um, it's unfortunate. I think it was, I don't know how many podcasts ago, but um, I pulled out my politically correct cap and it's just this organization <laughs> continues to fight an uphill battle and they have challenges. And this is another one. And, you know, hopefully this, this team can take it and say, you know, that's, we're still the same team, even without the general manager that kind of put us together and hopefully they can go on a big run. So, well, one good thing is they're going to all be in one spot, at least for, for a while until they're uh, either Stanley cup champions or eliminated. They're all going to be in Edmonton. So um, as far as that goes and it's playoff time, so you're not going to be able to make any trades or anything like that. You're going to have to play with what you got there, which is 31 players per team. Um, So, as you mentioned, exhibition games actually start tomorrow with Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and then a full slate Wednesday, and then we kind of roll in the Thursday and we have some Western Conference stuff going on, which uh, will conclude that night with the uh, the Golden Knights and the uh, um, Arizona Coyotes doing battle in an exhibition game, which I'm kind of looking forward to. I think that'll be kind of fun. So I'll be catching that on the road as I'm working my way back to uh, Arizona. But um the other thing I want to throw out there, uh, Zach, was that so many things have happened, but one of the best things I've heard was the news today that over 4,200 and some tests have been given last week uh, to COVID tests to the players and zero positive results, which tells me just how well the uh, NHL has handled this. It also tells me that the players took it seriously, and um, if they can do it, Guess what? I think other teams can do it. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I mean, it, it's kind of crazy consider all the players that have uh, made their way up to Canada and then been going through that process of getting tested. And um, I mean, I, I'm just going to say it non biasedly. Hockey players are the toughest ones around. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sure they had, uh, yeah. So they, I'm sure they took that, that, uh, COVID shenanigans and they, they uh, threw it right out of the right out of the rink. So um, I, I'm sure they'll be fine. It's it's actually a really cool testament to see that these players have taken it seriously, and uh, they want to get back to playing. They want to have some normalcy. 
So kudos to them. And, and I'm very grateful that they did take it seriously and that these guys are willing to go out and, and finish the season and start next year soon. Well, let me tell you this. I know that there are some other teams that are watching with wide open eyes to see what can be done. And, and that's the NCAA product because, uh, they all want to get back on the ice, nobody more than the NCAA team at Arizona State. And they realize that if this can be done in the NHL, there's ways of it happening. And I think that's a big feather in the cap. As long as things continue to go the way we think they're going to go. Um, and I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. They're, they're in an enclosed environment for the better part of that. They're all within their teammates. Everybody's being tested. I don't see why it wouldn't. But... Now would be a great time for me to throw out the fact that uh, we are going to have nine podcasts starting on August 1st, going to August 9th, all the way through the qualifier round of the 2020 NHL playoffs. We're calling it Welcome Back to Hockey 2020. Great time for not only sponsors to get on board and take advantage of our special offer, but also to listen to us on a roundtable. Um, I really challenge you guys, all of you guys, and I say that, I say you and Paul and Seth and Steven, to jump in and uh, give us some NHL coverage um, in a roundtable format. So how excited are you for uh, the chance to analyze what happens every night? Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I think it's, uh, it's a great idea that you put together, and uh, it just gives us more opportunity to talk about what, uh, what uh, the NHL is doing and, and how they're being so successful in, in playing under these circumstances and uh, get, to talk, get to talk live hockey. So uh, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a, a cool little mini-series that we do, and I think the, uh, the listeners will really enjoy it. Yeah, I hear you. Well, if you look at uh, at the teams that are, are playing, you know, we're talking about East and West, and, of course, West at Rogers Place in Edmonton, and the Eastern guys are at Scotiabank Place in uh, Toronto. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We already know uh, pretty much all the dates of everything as they play out. The round-robin portion of it will, will be where uh, both conferences will determine their top four teams. And uh, – and then they'll do the seedings from there. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Tonight, though, we, uh, we're talking not only hockey and playoff hockey, but we're talking uh, officiating because we've got Zach Reese with us tonight. And I, uh, I talked to Zach, and I asked him if he'd mind coming on the show, and he graciously accepted. So uh, it's fun to have him on because he not only works uh, club games, NCAA games, I think he's done some AHL lines as well. So he's got a really good insight and a hockey lover and a guy that's followed hockey for a long time. So it's going to be really exciting to have uh, Zach with us. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in two minutes and bring Zach Reese on with us to talk a little uh, officiating and a little hockey in the desert southwest. We'll be right back. Any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S., Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. 
offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. Looking for your next car? Head out to 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix and stop in at Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant. Come in and check out our great deals on the remaining 2020 Fords, as well as the new 2021 models just arriving, like the new E450 pickup truck during our summer outdoor and SUV sale. Voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona by Ranking Arizona, we will do what it takes to make your car buying experience safe and convenient. Shop online at bellford.com. We'll bring everything to you on your schedule. Schedule a test drive. Need a repair? We'll come pick up your vehicle and bring it back to you. Our sales and service professionals are ready to help in any way to make sure you are happy and satisfied. Go online to bellford.com or call us at 602-866-1776 and let us show you why we've been the dealership that keeps Shane Doan coming back year after year. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. All right, we're back. Another edition of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Scott Strandy joining you from beautiful Lake Elmo, Minnesota. My co-host, Zach Bondurant in Chandler, Arizona, as uh, always. And uh, our guest tonight is uh, my favorite official. I'm going to say that right up front. He's my favorite official, and he's also the most photogenic <laughs> official there is. So, so Zach, Zach Reese joining uh, Zach Bondurant and Scott Strandy. So welcome in, my friend. How are you? Hey, boys. Really good. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing great. Glad you could join the show. Um, you know, there's been some stuff going on in NHL hockey. I don't know if you've been following along. <laughs> but, but it's hard to really, miss. <laughs> things are crazy. I, I know you're a big hockey fan, and I know you do a lot of games at a lot of different levels. So let's start off right there. Tell us about your background uh, officiating hockey and playing hockey. Uh, playing first, I was born, actually, you're, you're pretty close to where I was born. I was born in Cottage Grove, Minnesota. Uh, so I kind of was born with a stick in my hand and grew up, uh, grew up there and, uh, you know, started playing, started skating when I was two, uh, eventually moved out to Palm Springs, California. So we kind of went from one climate, <laughs> harsh climate to the other and, uh, you know, stayed, stayed playing all throughout, uh, California and then came over here to, uh, Arizona. Uh, pretty much figured that uh, I wasn't a very good player, so I mean, clearly <laughs> I, uh, I uh, took up the stripes. And I thought that uh, you know, when I first started officiating, I never thought it was going to be 
as uh, as it's kind of turned out. You know, as you're you're part of a team, you're part of a, a brotherhood. You know, uh, and I didn't think I'd find that again, and I was pleasantly surprised to, you know, now it's it's second nature. You know, I, I can't imagine really doing anything else. I have a huge passion for officiating, and uh, I love being on the ice with these guys. We have been very fortunate to share the ice with some extremely talented officials and players too. I mean, it's 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 been a blast. It's been a great ride, and you know, see how far I can go. Well, I, I know a couple of things about uh, what you're going through and what you have gone through. And Zach and I will alternate questions with you here in a minute. But uh, as you know, I was a level four official two at one time and blew my knee out once coaching, once uh, officiating. <laughs> so my, my career came to an end as I got older. My bones got a little more brittle. So I know what it's like. Uh, I see you up close and personal quite frequently when you're uh, doing Arizona State games and also uh, club games. But have you done AHL lines too, or am I just am I just dreaming that one up for you? No, I think you're trying to stroke my ego a little too much there. <laughs> so unfortunately, unfortunately, no. But uh, you know, it's it, I'm still kind of well. I'm not kind of young. I'm 31, but uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. They have some amazing <laughs> officials. I mean, so, and we have we're fortunate out here. We have some absolutely excellent uh, local officials and local linesmen that do those games. So to be, uh, if I ever to be considered for something like that, that'd be a true honor. Well, I give you a bad time because I take photos of you whenever I can, but my partner, uh, Zach, is our professional photographer, and I'm sure you've seen him along the glass at different games, but fire away, Zach, and I tell, ask Zach some questions. <laughs> yeah, right. So so I think this is the first conversation I'll have with a ref that doesn't end with me going into the penalty box. We'll just say that. <laughs> um, but what Don't be heck? so sure. Right? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take my two minutes. <laughs> um so you said you were in California, moved to Palm Springs uh, as you were a player. Where I was born in California, actually, uh, just outside of L.A. So kind of we're probably very familiar with all the rinks that are out there now. But what was it that you were – who were you playing for out in California? So I didn't play any in California myself. There was only one rink in Palm Springs at the time, and it was inside what uh, – I don't know what the mall is called now, but it was called the Desert Town Center. And uh, they, they, they played a bunch of games there. Um, it was it was kind of a funky arena. There um, there was if kind of looked like Metro Center really, but uh, probably not as nice. It was an it was an NHL size rink, but uh, along um, the opposite side of the benches, there was just simply netting, and then there was I think a quarter boards all the way down. So it was actually pretty dangerous to play there. So um, you know I, we went there and you know for. Uh, just to stay on the ice and skate and stuff. We did public skate. We did, you know, pick up and, and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, I didn't really start playing again until we came out here to Arizona. Gotcha. Well, now that there's going to be an AHL uh, franchise out there, maybe uh, take a crack at the AHL up over there and be uh, in a place where you're familiar with. You know, that's a great, that's I, when I read that the first time I was, I, I couldn't help but laugh, you know, thinking as well, you know, how, how things have changed, you know, for, for the, for the better, you know, hockey's growing so quick and it's great to see, you know, when you see pro teams come in like this, um, you know, the youth is going to follow, you know, kids are going to go to games and they're going to encourage their parents. And uh, I always look at stuff from an officiating standpoint. So when I see, um, you know, professional hockey, I see youth players getting involved and I see more opportunities for youth or, uh, officials and I see more opportunities for 
uh, upcoming youth officials. So That's a good way to look at it. You know, Zach, the crazy thing is, is that, you know, I've seen you do so many different games and, and people may not understand that, that hockey is not only fast paced, but you do uh, lines at the NCAA games at Oceanside. And I sit right above the bench, as you know, in the press box there. And I see what you guys go through, but tell us what it's like to, uh, to do a game at Oceanside. <laughs> Uh, probably because I, I, we're used to it a little bit more. Uh, I think it's a little bit more difficult for, uh, t- visiting teams. You know, I think the first thing they look at when you, when they see, uh, they walk in the arena and they see how low the ceiling is and they're just looking at the sight lines at the arena, you know, um, you kind of see their eyes and they're like, Oh, wow. You know, what's this place like, you know, this is going to be an interesting okay. adventure. So you're, you're being politically correct. Uh, I hear more things than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta keep the profanity down on this one. So, but uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, everything is, you know, it's pretty small, you know, everything is pretty compact, you know, uh, and you know, everything just seems very, the best way I can describe it is, you know, if you do a game at Gila river or if you work a game in the convention center down in Tucson, you know, it's very, very large, very open. Everything seems so much bigger. Um, and it's really not, you know, other than the ceiling, you know, it's really not. And, you know, those games, uh, they're fast. Those players are incredible athletes. You know, it's a hundred miles an hour, every shift. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're that close to it, I mean, nothing, nothing beats it for me. So you've coached at the uh, D or uh, ref at the NCAA level, correct? Yes. Okay. So in those in those games, obviously those those guys are are like you said, tremendous athletes. What's uh what, what's the language like going on in those guys? Is it like a typical game, or is it is it something that's a little bit more um, mellowed down? Uh, well. I, the way I look at it is everybody's fighting for every inch that they can get, um, every face-off, every battle out front, every uh, face-off location, every potential icing, you know. Um, so there's a lot of colorful language that'll, that'll uh, <laughs> come, come your way at, at times. And I mean, I, my, my personal take on it is I don't take it personal. Um, you know, if it's when it becomes personal, that's an issue. You know, somebody's Gonna, gonna try to get personal with you and that's that's a different story and we have ways that we deal with that but um, you know at the end of the day everybody's pretty very respectful um, especially at that level they know the expectations of us and uh, we know the expectations of them and um, you know we work together as much as we can you know Zach and when when I'm talking about uh, photographing you since I'm not the professional photographer I always look for when you're in a face-off circle and uh, one of the things that I noticed, and I was going to have you just speak on this a little bit, but face-offs are becoming more and more critical, at least in my eyes. Is that what you're seeing too, where these guys are, are always looking for an edge, or is that the way it's been since you started officiating? It's been that way ever since I can remember it. Um, you know, maybe it's gotten a little more intense over the last five years, but, uh, um, you know, the NCAA came out with their rule changes this year. I like the rule. I like these the rule changes that they make, they make a lot of sense um, for the upcoming season. We're not going to be removing centers. We're going to be giving warnings, which I think will speed the game up. And also at this level, the teams, they have, they have plays, they have set plays um, 
you know, that they're running and they want the, we want the centerman to stay in, you know, uh, you hear a lot of nationally games at the professional level and say, Hey, you know what, uh, um, the line, he dropped the puck or, you know, something like that. Trust us. We want to get the puck down the ice as much as possible. We want to get it down as fast as we can, but we also don't want to give an unfair advantage to somebody. Right. So, um, we want to make sure everybody's within, within their lines and within everything. We communicate that with them. Um, but, uh, yeah, the the faceoffs are huge. Really, when you get up there, they're they're huge. And I think uh, this upcoming season will be nice. Um, not re- not removing the faceoff, uh, you know, not removing a center for a faceoff violation, and just giving the warning, and that uh, centerman stays in. So I think that's a good change. Yeah, and if you could give the the listener some insight as to like the decision making processes as that goes that would go into removing the center. Obviously it'll be different this year, but um, when I'm over in the fan section, I hear all these fans getting on reps about, you know, drop the puck, do this, do that. Um, So, so some insight as to when coaches challenge, what's that conversation like? Why would you switch out a player? Uh, Just those kind of run of the mill things that uh, the fans don't really see or understand. Uh, the guy, non-centerman, not lining up, you know, trying to get a little bit of an edge on the hash marks. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of scooting in a little bit or they're taking a step over, um, centerman. It mostly, most of the violations that, that happen, at least in my experience, happen with the centerman. Um, you know, where, you know, we wouldn't expect the centers to be square. So, you know, they're turned or their feet aren't within the markings or they're not putting their stick down, you know, on the ice. So, or you can over the hundreds of games and maybe some some uh, other officials thousands of games you'll see um, you'll see players time officials and uh, they'll they'll pick up on mannerisms you know what, for officials ever do that to you <laughs> yeah they yeah they they do a, they do a really good job of that really so. You know, those are small things, and the thing is, is every you know every line, especially at that at the NCAA level, you know, the uh, there's a lot of communication. There's a ton of communication between referees and linesmen and players and coaches, and that's the stuff that we communicate. We communicate the expectations to the players, and um, you know, we I want to say give warnings, uh, you know, something like that. But we we definitely communicate the expectation, and uh, it's up to them whether they choose to heed it or not. And then, you know, we have to react to it. So, you know, over the last five years, Zach, as, uh, as we put together Ice Time Hockey Southwest, and um, my expectation was to provide an insight to help grow the game by uh, providing uh, features and, and, and stuff like that on the decision makers and the players, the coaches. And I saw things grow. As, as When I started doing this, I mean, club hockey was really down, I thought, in the desert southwest because Coach Powers will admit he robbed his team um, to, to build that first NCAA team. But now, as, as I look at ACHA D1, I think there's really an arms race for uh, who can win the next national championship, whether it be UNLV, Grand Canyon, U of A, ASU. You've seen them all. Do you, are you seeing the same thing, or are my eyes playing tricks on me? I think they all do a great job. Really, it's uh, they, they 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 do an awesome job. I have some you know experience. Uh, Tate Green up here at ASU. They've been absolutely excellent for us um, in regards to bringing up uh, opportunities to get more officials on the ice. 
Um, and just so I, I've gotten a firsthand look at their tryouts and, you know, we see their, we see their uh, prospect camps and everything and how they handle it. Um, they got a lot of talent, you know, and of course, Arizona um, has a lot of talent as well. UNLV is a very good team. So the teams all out here are, um, I don't think there's, there's too much of a weak link in all of them. And they're just really fun to watch or fun to be on the ice with because you got some amazing athletes and some great personalities out there. Yeah, and and speaking of the ACHA level, um, the different what what do you think the big difference is between refing an ACHA as opposed to an NCAA? Because uh, if fans haven't been to those games, they can get to be uh, a little more rambunctious at the ACHA level. If I t- can take a liberty in saying that, um, just because it's. I choose my word carefully here, but they just get a little bit more rambunctious. So is that, is that true? And what's that, what's that like for a ref standpoint to try and reel that game in, make sure things don't get out of hand? Uh, it's kind of, I don't know. You're putting me on the spot. I'm going to, I feel like Tim Peel right now. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, there's just, there's just the huge difference between club hockey and, and don't get me wrong. There's some absolutely excellent, club teams and I've seen some absolutely excellent club players, you know, and it, it's just hard to um, compare the two, you know, uh, this uh, NCAA, like I said earlier, it's, it's a hundred miles an hour every shift, uh, which is great. You know, um, there's, there's a lot of small things uh, at the club, at the club level that may go unnoticed that uh, guys pick up right away, you know, at the NCAA level. So, you know, our awareness has to be up, you know, awareness should be up at, at all times. Um, but uh, as far as the fans go, you know, we don't care about the fans. You know, they, they, they do what they want. They can. You, you just care about the media. Let's play it safe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't say, I don't know. I can't say I don't care about you either, but uh, maybe I'll go, we'll go off the record on that one. <laughs> okay. that, fair enough. Uh, yeah. I was going to ask you when we talk um, uh, about officiating specifically in the desert Southwest and the growth that you've seen on it, did you ever think, uh, when you were moved to Arizona, that you were going to see an NCAA team competing at Oceanside Ice Arena, and now looking forward to a new on-campus facility in a couple of years. I don't think too many people envisioned it. You know, ten years ago. You know, um, I, I think maybe a handful out of uh, out of, out of a, a massive amount would uh, envision the way that it is now. And uh, it's been really for me. It's very fortunate to be involved and to witness it happen, you know, right before, right before our own eyes, you know, um, the growth of the growth of hockey is extremely important. And like I said earlier, uh, the growth of officiating is also extremely important for me too, because uh, we need to, you know, we're, I'm not getting any younger and a lot of guys are you know, much older than I am. So, you know, we need the next generation of officials coming in and, uh, they come from the plane ranks. They come from, you know, the, the increase in hockey here. So increase of hockey, you know, it's increased in, in the sport, increased in the, uh, uh, you know, people interested in it. And uh, that's overall good for the game and good for us officials, too. Okay, let me follow that one up quickly with the, uh, you know, I know you're very involved with the Official Association in Arizona and stuff like that. So w- what's it look like right now? What's the uh, the groundwork that needs to be done to get more officials and not only get more officials, but get them excited about doing that job because it's really a thankless job, right? I mean, if not, if everything goes great, nobody compliments you. But as soon as one thing goes bad, they're all over you. 
So you couldn't have something more thankless than that, could you? It's, it, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a catch 22 for sure. Really. Um, here in Arizona, I, I think it's just, it's a culture issue. It's a culture uh, problem in my opinion. Um, you know, if you watch professional games or semi-professional or really anything, if you go on social media afterwards or if there's a post about something, you know, uh, officials in all sports, not just hockey, but, uh, you know, the professional level, they get, uh, they get blasted, you know, uh, they get blasted in the media and, uh, they get blasted all over the place. So it's, it's difficult to recruit officials from that because if, if, um, a kid goes to a hockey game. And he's 10 years old and he he's witnessing his dad, his role model and is screaming at the referee. Who's the same guy that screams at the referee at his, at his youth game at his, you know, 10 and under game. Um, it's not an, it's not a very attractive um, offer for him to begin officiating. You know, he's going to look at that and say, well, geez, you know, I don't want to go out there and have somebody like my dad yelling, you know, at all times. So I think it's more of a culture culture issue. And I think it's gotten, I've, my personal opinion, I think it's gotten a lot better uh, in the past few years, and the you, the, the local, um, or some of the local organizations and USA Hockey have taken some steps to uh, combat the verbal abuse. Um, and so, you know, where that goes, I don't know. Um, but uh, the, the best thing that we can do as a referee association, we have some excellent people within our organization, is support our uh, support our officials from from the first time they step on the ice and uh, go from there. Yeah, and you had said, uh, I mean, just the abuse that officials get, and I'll be the first one to own up to it. And, I mean, my mom and dad will probably be listening to this laughing because they'd always joke, it's never a game unless they go to the penalty box. <laughs> but, um, but you had alluded to that, and, I mean, I, I'm sure you are 100% right when kids go and witness this game and they see – Anybody, anybody around him saying it's a terrible call, ref, this and that. Um, and are you, I'm, I'm sure you guys are putting in, like, hopefully some some time with those parents um, so to maybe teach them. I don't know if there's a, there's a uh, something going on where you can teach those parents, like, hey, we're trying to do our job. Like, is there something you think that could be done to, for the fan side to help them kind of see what you guys are going through? I think a lot of it boils down to sitting down in a, in a setting, in a relaxed setting and discussing, you know, and having an open form of communication because a lot of things will, you, you can't sort anything out when you got somebody yelling or, you know, you got two people yelling at each other. Very few positive things come out from that. Um, yeah. So uh, from our side, the only thing that we could really do um, is encourage the hockey associations and our local affiliate to, um, sit down with their parents and, you know, say, Hey, this is, this is the reality of the situation, what's going on. And, uh, like I said, it's not that, uh, I, I think a lot of the, a lot of the people that yell and scream at officials don't really think that, Hey, we're people too, yeah. you know, uh, they're, they're screaming at a sweater, they're yelling at a sweater, you know? And, uh, you know, when I said personal before where the personal attacks come in, where you're threatening somebody or, you know, something like so on and so forth, you know, that's the type that's unacceptable. Um, so the only thing that we can do, um, and the biggest thing we can do as a, our referee association is to, you know, put the, put the uh, information in the officials hands and support them when they do make those decisions. If they do have, you know, if there is verbal abuse and, uh, I mean, let's, let's, let's face it, we're not going to please everybody. 
Um, but it can be done in a respectful manner. We can respectfully disagree and uh, we're human as well. And we make mistakes, you know, we all make mistakes. So um, I think until we, we really sit down and understand the culture issue, uh, what's going on, this is kind of where we're at. So, yeah, I think you're, go ahead. Oh, sorry, Scott. Yeah. I think you're a perfect guest to have on the show too, because people who are listening um, don't realize that when you are being combative with the refs, you're essentially taking the ability to play the game away because if we don't have people like you coming out and volunteering or or getting the skill set to get up to the NCAA level, we're not going to be able to play because we're not going to have any refs. So that's I think it's definitely uh, um, something that we can all do our part in and helping the community understand that you guys are there because you enjoy the game just as much as we do. It's just we're on a different you guys are on the ice and we're in the stands. So, Right. And one thing real quick, I think it's kind of an eye opener is um, the, the conference officials for the uh, WCHA that do the uh, uh, NCAA games for the Arizona state's uh, NCAA level. Um, we have a officials meeting every year and uh, it's usually at the big 10 office. <clears throat> it won't be because of uh, COVID this year, but uh um, last season, uh, the, the WCHA partners with the Big Ten and uh, going over, you know, rule changes, rule changes or points of emphasis and that kind of stuff. And uh, had uh, three, four, uh, actually, no, I think we had four or five at least uh, coaches from WCHA, had a couple from the Big Ten. And uh, those those uh, coaches said, geez, you know, I cannot believe the, the effort that you guys put in, you know, to this. And clearly the coaches put in an astronomical effort and it, they do an excellent, excellent job. Um, and, you know, having those guys come in here and say, listen, I, I just, you know, blows me away that I didn't know, have any idea how much effort and time and energy that you guys put into this, you know, um, you know watching video clips. I mean, we get clips all the time. We get, we, we get the entire video, we get clipped out. We have supervisors, we have meetings, we have just a ton of stuff, you know, that we go through. And uh, the, the volunteer time in there and, you know, what, what some of these guys, these supervisors and evaluators and the conference um, officials, uh, coordinators do, it's amazing. Uh, just the amount of time that's put into this, um, you know, even at that level, it was nice to see the, the reckon, you know, that they could recognize that and say, wow, you, know, you guys are doing an absolute excellent job. And if I hadn't been here at this meeting, I would have had no idea that any of this went on, you know, I just see you, I just see you on the ice, you know, a few times a year and that's about it. You know, I had no idea how much of a time commitment it was. So that's good. Well, no, that's it's good, good to that they know that. I, I want to wrap it up with you, uh, Zach, by just uh, touching a little bit on COVID. I talked to the players and the coaches. I know what they went through, but we haven't heard from the officiating side of things. So uh, two part question. First of all, how has the COVID been for you? Uh, how have you dealt with things? Because you've got to stay in shape as well. And I know you're missing the uh, opportunity to be on the ice. Uh, but then second part of that is how excited are you to see the NHL coming back and getting us to see some uh, live hockey uh, in just a couple of days? Uh, fortunately for our, for me personally, uh, everybody's been healthy. Everybody, uh, everybody in my family and really everybody that I know, um, I know of some extended people had uh, some bouts with it and I, I heard a, um, a couple people had died from it, um, but uh, for for us personally, for my family, we, we haven't had any issues with it. We've just been taking you know normal safety precautions, and you know uh, 
following every following the recommendations for everything. So, um, but yeah, it's hard being not being on the ice. I've only been on the ice a couple times since March. Um, but uh, on the flip side, I'm very fortunate because I have a nice uh, little indoor gym here. You know, I, I kind of, I didn't, I never thought that it would uh, that that the good COVID would, uh, well, you know, come into this. I don't think, uh, I don't think too many people in Vegas were laying bets down that it would have, uh, you know, that we would be in this situation four months ago. But uh, I was fortunate to have something, you know, set up to where I can stay in shape. You know, I have really real good uh, uh, weight training and cardio, so it's uh, I'm I'm very blessed with that because, as you guys know, the uh, gyms have been shut down out here so it's a little bit difficult to stay in shape when everything's going on like that all right the final word for you is how excited are you to see nhl hockey back i'm just excited to see all, all levels of hockey i can't tell you you know you, the season kind of grains on you a little bit uh especially if you're involved in youth in youth hockey the way that i am and uh, evaluations and supervision uh throughout the year so i deal with a lot of coaches and parents and with a lot of incidents that that happen and i can't tell you how happy i was to really uh go back into the ice and or go back into an ice rink and a, in a supervisor role. And, uh, I still heard some of the stuff that I did before, which, you know, it is what it is, but, uh, it was, it was great. It was great. And I'm looking forward to any, any level of hockey and especially NHL. I wish everybody the best. And, uh, I hope everybody stays safe uh, with, with everything going on in all sports. So I'm, I'm excited to watch it. All right, that's Zach Reese, our, our officiating official, officiating official, <laughs> if I can say that three times over and over again. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for keeping me laughing all through this COVID, because all I do is go to your, your Facebook page every day just to get a couple of chuckles, and I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we'll be back. So Zach and I will be back to talk a little uh, playoff hockey, and we're going to discuss in depth what happened with the Arizona Coyotes this time. We'll be right back in two minutes. Can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. You find your product with M-Drive. All right, welcome back in to professional hockey southwest weekly it is a zach and my pleasure to welcome in our own beat reporter seth askelson with the arizona coyotes to uh break down what was probably the most unusual day i've ever spent on twitter uh in regards to professional hockey so so seth welcome in how are you i'm good uh i'm sure your listeners up in vegas probably aren't 
too happy with me. If you remember every time I was on this podcast, I usually found a way to, to upset them or, or say something not so nice about uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. So I'm sure your listenership is cut in half for the final 20 minutes. <laughs> well, well, let me tell you, I don't think that's true for a minute. And secondly is when I told you that I needed you to do some uh, serious Coyotes work for us, uh, I even didn't anticipate it being like this. And I, I had a little chat with Craig Morgan yesterday, and I said, Craig, you are not ever going on vacation ever again. Just get it out of your head. Because I think the last decade that he's taken a vacation, uh, something has gone haywire with the Arizona Coyotes. Tell us what you know about the departure of John Chayka and how it happened so, well, at least to the naked eye, so quickly. Um. I think it's one of those things that we kind of know what everybody else knows, right? When a guy like Elliot Friedman breaks the story, usually when you get a breaking coyote story, it's Craig Morgan, but at first it was Elliot Friedman. So, you know, uh, as much as here in the desert Southwest that we love the coyotes of uh, Toronto media and a guy like Elliot Friedman breaks the story about the coyotes, you know, it's a serious issue. So, I mean, obviously following the timeline, right on Friday, it was kind of made, known that Chaika's name wasn't on the list of 52 player, uh, the 52 personnel, you know, players, coaches, training staff, et cetera, going to Toronto for, or to Edmonton, excuse me, for the West side to go and, you know, compete for the Stanley cup. And then as things developed, it was, uh, well, Chaika cleaned out his office on Friday and he wasn't at the scrimmage. And, you know, for media personnel like us, I mean, I have a long camera lens, so I guess I could have looked over, you know, on the opposite side to see what staff is there. But that's something, you know, unless you're sitting there or you got an eagle eye like Craig Morgan, you don't really see whether he's there or not. Um, and obviously he wasn't there. And then eventually it's, you know, by the end of Friday, and this is all in about a five, six hour span. Uh, by the time Friday, the end of Friday comes around, it's, yeah, he's out. And the Coyotes made that official on Sunday with, maybe the most cutting press release I've ever seen in professional sports <laughs> history. Usually when a team parts ways with its general manager, whether it's friendly or not, even if it's not friendly, usually it's, you know, we thank them for the service. And, you know, even if it, even if it's not meant on the inside, it's usually on the outside portrayed, you know, thank you for helping us get to this point, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, for them to say, we are disappointed that John Checa quit on this team. That's incredible. I mean, Scott, I hope you and I never end a, a business partnership and I write for Ice Time Hockey Southwest for the rest of my life. But if it did and you wrote a press release, you know, saying you were disappointed that I quit on the team, I mean, I, you know, I, I hope you'd never have to write something yeah. like that. And if you did, I knew you were really upset. So obviously well, it's, uh, it's it's a lot. The, and and I the think thing the, that, let me tell what, you the thing that I saw right on that point that you brought up is I think the worst thing you can say to an athlete at any level is quit. That is one thing that nobody ever wants to be told. They, they might, you know, accept the fact that they weren't good enough or they couldn't achieve a level. But when you say they quit, those four letters are just something that is really hard to shake in you. Um, and it travels with you, I think forever. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things where, I know the Coyotes are going to try and fight, and I have a feeling, not that I have you know any sources, but just from looking at the way you know contracts are structured, and he had three years left on his deal, 
And so I have a feeling that he probably won't win any sort of case. You know, he's not allowed to be a GM or a, uh, you know, president of hockey operations during the rest of that contract. So um, there's three years left on that. So I have a feeling he won't be any in any sort of, you know, GM role for the next three years, at least in the NHL. Um, but, I mean, it, I feel like the reports have been very conflicting going back and forth. It was, you know, at first he – was given permission to talk other to other teams, and then it was oh well, no, it was a business opportunity outside of hockey, and then it got you know volleyed back in that no, it was with another team back east, and I mean it's so up and down, and uh, I mean when you look at Craig Morgan's story that was published yesterday, um, you know his NHL source said you know it, this is a direct quote from the source that he had is John Chaika is a liar and a quitter. I mean. Whoa. You know, if yeah, I mean, it's such a it's such a weird story, right? And for a Coyotes team that we thought the turmoil was over, it's like you said with the um, you know with the Coyotes, it seems like they were finally in stability, right? And it, it's weird. Did it start before? Alex, uh, or excuse me, Aaron Cohen left the Coyotes. Is that something that's hand in hand? Is Aaron Cohen leaving, and then this situation with John Chaika? Maybe, maybe if you look back on the Aaron Cohen situation, is that something that, even though it was mutual, did you know were both parties kind of at their wits' end with each other? Kind of like what happened here with with Chaika. So it, it makes you wonder, right? Like, what's the stability of this organization on the inside? I don't think it's anything like, oh, that you know. Morello's cleaning house to get his guys in and they're going to move the team. Like, I think that was a worry I saw, not necessarily from anybody credible, but from, you know, fans, right? I mean, I think Coyotes fans are always worried. Anything, anything, anytime anything changes, it's, oh, is this a, is this a setup to try and move the team? I don't think it's anything like that, but it's interesting, right? And it sounds like from what was said that, and then what was reported that, uh, you know, at first, Chaika, or uh, excuse me, Alex Miller was okay with Chaika exploring that other business opportunity. And then maybe when push came to shove, uh, he wasn't so ecstatic about it. So um, I don't know. It's just such a weird situation. And, uh, you know, that was the craziest. It's like you said, the wildest day, right? I mean, for, we went from Chaika wasn't as, you know, on the 52-man list for or, you know person list on who's going and oh does he have covid oh is he you know this the speculation at first was he's got a newborn baby child you know he, he wants he doesn't want to get covid and, and come back and, and potentially put his family at risk so you know he feels he can do the work from home and then it's he's cleaned out his office and he wasn't at the scrimmage to he's gone and two days later he's a liar and quitter like it, it's such a such an advance like it happened so fast obviously it, it's been boiling for allegedly a month and a half, but just so fast. And, you know, now we're here where Steve Sullivan, a, a Coyotes alumni who played for the Coyotes seven years ago. I mean, it really truly wasn't that long ago that Steve Sullivan was wearing that Sedona red and white. And, you know, now he's here, the, the general manager. All right, Zach, fire away. Um, yeah, I mean, the one thing to keep in mind with, with Chaika leaving is it's also going to come down to the players uh, and it's going to affect the players because they're trying to sign Taylor Hall 
and I, man, I don't know if I if I'm Taylor Hall, I'm obviously not him because otherwise I'd be in uh, in Edmonton. But um, at looking at the organization, you get guys kind of it's a revolving door. It almost seems like, and um, I don't know. I, I from from the outside in, if I'm looking at the guy or the inside out, whatever. I, if you don't want to be here, fine, then leave. Like, I'll tear your contract up. We're gone. You're good. Like, go do whatever else you want to do. So it'll be interesting to see what Gary Bettman comes in and says. Um, from the rumors I've heard, it's between, like, New Jersey or Buffalo. I don't know if you've heard that too, Seth. But um, I, supposedly there's some other venture that they want to give him stakes in too. So it'll be interesting to see what comes from this. Yeah, I agree. And looking at Elliot Friedman's piece, and I believe this was published uh, yesterday, uh, yesterday evening, actually, and uh, a few hours after Craig Morgan's story on his new website. Um, and, and basically, Friedman was saying exactly what you were saying, Zach. It was um, he's hearing rubblings that it was either Buffalo or New Jersey. And, you know, on the surface, you're like, okay, you know, what what does Buffalo and New Jersey offer in terms of a general manager or a hockey operations role, right? The Coyotes seemingly have a better roster and plays better goaltending situation. Uh, maybe not better prospects necessarily, but you know, Phil Kessel still got a couple more years left, obviously trying to re re-extend Taylor Hall, Victor Soderstrom in the way in the wings. You're probably good in, in goal for at least the next three years until Aiden Hill and, and Ivan Pro, you know, Provostov takes over. So, I mean, in goal, you might be good for the next 10 to 15 years, to be quite honest, if everybody uh, develops correctly. So what it sounds like, it wasn't a lateral move. And, um, you know, looking through this Elliot Friedman story on sportsnet.ca, it's just, uh, this is actually a direct quote from that article from Elliot Friedman. It says, uh, quote, from what I understand, a Godfather-esque offer he couldn't refuse was made. So obviously it was something that, was a lot bigger in terms of maybe money, maybe control. But back to the point that I was making earlier about, you know, if this contract is terminated and it's the league or whoever processes the case eventually for the final decision says, yeah, you know, he can't be a GM or a, a president of hockey operations until that contract is technically up. That's where it gets confusing, right? Because what's what's higher than a general manager? I mean, the only thing I can think of is the, you know, president of hockey operations. So, I mean, do you put him and, and well, does that come down to semantics, right? Can, can another team offer him say, Oh, you're the VP of something else, but he's then doing hockey operations business. Like it, well, it's so confusing. And I have a feeling that Go ahead. Let me interject, let me interject this Seth, because I think this is what's going to come down to. I think both sides are playing it uh, as hardcore as they can, because what it's going to end up coming down to is a compromise, and it's probably going to end up being the Coyotes getting some money or some player or something from the uh, team that he eventually goes to to try to. Uh, even things up, right? I think that's what both sides are playing right now. I mean, I would be shocked if it wasn't, but again, I was shocked with the the harsh harshness of the statement as well. Uh, just a couple minutes left, uh, Seth, but I want to get your thoughts on how you think John Chayka's not being there will affect the Coyotes, because you wrote a very good piece that we're putting up tonight on our website that I thought really hit it on the head. The Coyotes are persevering 
and thriving with the more stress they get. And we've seen it in the past, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at it in that article, a little sneak preview on that. Prior to Dave Tippett becoming the head coach in 2009, 2010, the Coyotes had missed the playoffs for six straight seasons. They still had yet to get out of the first round. And in December of 2008 is when it was made public that the Coyotes were really struggling financially. Uh, the team entered bankruptcy in, the, in May of 2009 without uh, notification of the league, and that's when the league officially took the team over. Um, and, you know, I mean, Scott, you know, Zach, you know, and, and all the Coyotes fans know living in the Valley, it was just, oh, this owner's going to make a bid. Oh, he doesn't have the money. Oh, this owner's going to make a bid. Oh, he's not interested anymore. Like it was so like up and down and nobody knew. And, you know, the Don Maloney was handcuffed in terms of how much money he could give out to players because the NH, the league wasn't willing to spend that much money in terms of payroll. And, you know, Don Maloney, I know it was a, it, a rough ride for him at the end, but man, those teams he put together, I mean, the Coyotes the first year, right? They're in bankruptcy, just three, four months earlier, nobody has any idea what the future of the team is. That's when the um, Jim Basale was going to purchase the team and move it to Hamilton. Like under the most extreme circumstances, they go out and they win 50 games, the most in franchise history. Um, so, you know, eventually two years later when ups and downs and owners commit then decommit and, and all those types of things, you know, they go to the Western conference finals and it's almost – it's weird, right? Like you want the stability, but it's almost the more chaos that's around the team off the ice, it seems the more they thrive on the ice. So, I mean, obviously it's a different group and, and different talents and a different game than it was 10 years ago. But, man, it just feels like any time the pressure is on and, and wacky things are happening off the ice, well, you know, the magic – it almost balances out. Right? Like it's karma. Like everything bad is happening off the ice – so everything really good is happening on the ice. Let me let me tell you this in closing, Seth. I just got a text from uh, my Tuesday night co-host, Paul Hornstein, who was watching uh, NHL Network. And during the West preview tonight, he said, Kelly Rudy is picking the Coyotes to win the West. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, <laughs> how, how, how crazy is that? Um, and I know our Vegas fans are listening going like, yeah, right. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to be joining us on our roundtable starting August 1st as we uh, do our uh, special shows to uh, recap what's going on in, uh, in NHL hockey. But thanks for breaking it down to, for us. Thanks for uh, the great article. It'll be up tomorrow, so uh, everybody will get a chance to read it and just see it. And I got to agree with you, Seth. I think the, uh, the Coyotes will thrive uh, under circumstances which are less than ideal. Thanks again for joining us, and uh, we'll be right back in one minute so uh, we can wrap up another edition of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Pre-game like a pro, post-game like a champion at College Bar and Grill. Located across the street from the iconic A Mountain and Sun Devil Stadium and a quick walk from Wells Fargo Arena, College Bar and Grill is your home for the best local craft beer, delicious creative cocktails, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State Athletics. College Bar and Grill. Pre-game like a pro, post-game like a champion. Online at ilovecollege.co. All right, we're back. Wrap up another edition of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Um, I forgot to even ask you today, Zach. There's been so many things going on. Do you have a trivia question, or am I just going to wing this thing? <laughs> 
Go ahead and wing it, because uh, yeah, it, it's been kind of a a chaotic day. <laughs> All right, I'm going to make this one really, really simple. Uh, the hub city of Edmonton, Alberta, is uh, where the Western Division teams, Western Conference teams, are all gathered right now and getting ready to play. Who was the uh, Arizona Coyotes coach who is now the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers? Can't get any easier than that, folks. Get at it at IcetimeSW on our Twitter account. Use the hashtag PucksOnThePod and uh, get your chance to win a prize pack from our friends at Summer Skate. So once again, the question is, who is the current coach of the Edmonton Oilers that used to be the uh, coach of the Arizona Coyotes? Doesn't get any easier than that. Another hint, he was also one of the guys that was the driving force in starting the new Seattle franchise, the Kraken. All right, uh, take it away and give us your read as we're uh, running late already. Gotcha. All right, so... Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Bell Ford, presenting partner of the new season of the Sunday Specials. The Arizona Ford Giant voted best Ford dealer in Arizona by Arizona Business. Ask to see our friend Kevin Wood. Tell him Ice Time Hockey Southwest sent you. Cold beers and cheeseburgers. Between our long list of craft beers and, and fresh handcrafted made-to-order burgers, who knows how many times you can order the same thing and not have the same thing twice. Buy OxyPow. Clean your gear, clean your skin with all with our all-natural cleaning products at oxypow.com. Sprint, a brighter future for all. See Andre in the Paradors Valley at Cactus and Tatum and let him find you a real deal, the right deal. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Vegas. Discover what we call barbecue, Las Vegas style. Call us at 1-702-541-5546 or go to jessieraysbarbecue.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, it's all about the butt. Buy summer skates, shower shoes, koozies, and more. Show your game in comfort and style. Visit summerskates.com when your summer skates prize pack with the hashtag PucksOnThePod. Behind the Mask, where we will guarantee to match any authorized dealer's price. Go to BehindTheMask.com for details and see what's new for upcoming season. By College Bar and Grill, call 480 Six four five one to pick up dinner on your way home. College Bar and Grill for ASU fans by ASU fans. Oceanside Ice Arena, home of the Devils Hockey Shop for all your ASU hockey merchandise. Roger Klein's Tequila. Go to the MexicanMoonshine.com and find the award-winning taste for your style. Buy M Drive. Go to MDriveForMen.com. Use the promo code IceTimeSW at checkout for twenty percent off. M Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. By Iceden, Scottsdale, and Chandler. Check our websites for skating availability. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly and all the Ice Time Hockey Southwest podcasts are live every week on Podbean app and available for download at the Ice Time, whew, at the iTunes store. Anytime I see an IP, well, I just automatically on. assume it says iTime. <laughs> Podbean, Google. Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the IceTimeHockeySouthwest.com network. All right. Well, two great guests will do that to you and a lot of things to talk about. So our thanks to uh, our official official in uh, Zachary Reese for joining us tonight. Also to our uh, beat reporter for the Arizona Coyotes, Seth Askelson, breaking it down for us on exactly what's going on with the Coyotes and John Chica's situation. So, for Zach Bondurant, Scott Strandy here. Zach in beautiful Arizona. Scott in beautiful uh, Minnesota. Uh, 
that's another edition, another episode of Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Roger Klein and the Peacemakers will take us away with a little dinero. Have a great evening. <laughs>